Dracula. I am Dracula. And I bid you welcome, Mr. Hart, to my heart. Come Our first award goes to the vampires for most blood drained in a single evening. The strength of the vampire is that people will not believe in him. Good evening, my fellow vampire lovers. The sun is going down, and you know what that means. It's time for me to record another episode of my podcast, The Beautiful Dead. I am your host, Lena Nazari. As always, you can reach me by emailing me, lena at lenanazari.com, or you can go to my website, lenanazari.com, and get links to all of my social media. I do have an Instagram account now for this podcast. It's called The Beautiful Dead, obviously. There is also a TikTok if you would like to see the uh, little snippets that I make to show people what each episode is about, uh, and that is The Beautiful Dead. Um, A reminder to anyone who is listening here for the first time, I will be making some convention appearances. I will be at MementoCon in Pittsburgh on September 4th and 5th, where I will be meeting people and selling my book. And then I will also be at Mountaineer Comic Con uh, in West Virginia, September 24th through the 27th. I'm very excited about both. I'm excited to get to meet some people who have reached out to me. And speaking of reaching out to me, if you would like to send me some Um, requests or recommendations, please, by all means, today's episode is actually a recommendation that comes from a friend up north. Adam, thank you so much for your recommendation. Uh, This was on my list, but I decided to move it up because one, uh, you recommended it, but two, I, I could use a nice little comedy right now. For those of you who don't know me, I really am a nurse. And um, so it's been a stressful time. So it was nice to sit down and watch a funny movie that I hadn't seen in many years. Giant spoiler alert to anybody who has never listened to this podcast. I will be reviewing the movie and I will tell you who dies and how they die and all the moments in between. So if you've never seen this and you don't want to have it ruined, stop, go watch it and then listen to this episode. If you haven't already, please follow or subscribe to my podcast, uh, depending on where you listen to it. Your options will either be to follow or subscribe, but it really helps me. It helps the podcast. It helps people find it. Um, I would love it if you rated it or reviewed it, and please share it on your social media. That's it for the business. So now we're going to get to the episode. Um, So we will be talking about... Dracula Dead and Loving It by the incomparable late Mel Brooks. I had seen this several years ago. Um, I saw it when it first came out and it was on one Halloween. I watched it again and then (laughs) sitting down and watching it this time from the perspective of somebody who was really picking apart uh, the vampire lore and how faithful it was to the Dracula story. I saw it in a completely different light. So it was a lot of fun. 
Uh, this movie was made in 1995. It has Leslie Nielsen in the titular uh, character Dracula. <clears throat> Mel Brooks plays Professor Van Helsing. Peter McNichol plays Renfield. Stephen Weber plays Harker. Amy Yazbek plays Mina. And Lisette Anthony plays Lucy. And here we have a vampiric crossover, everybody. Uh, Lisette Anthony also was in the 1991 version of Dark Shadows, which was only on for a season. Anyone who knows vampire stuff will know Dark Shadows from the 70s. Is it the 70s or is it the 60s? You know what? Let's, you guys are going to listen to me. Google it in real time. I am not going to edit this out so that you can see exactly what it takes to um, do a podcast like this. Sometimes something pops in your head. Okay, so um, it is actually from the 60s. And uh, that particular show was on for many years. So someday I want to cover Dark Shadows, but there is 1,230 episodes. So, you know, it, it might be in a little while. <clears throat> but she was in the 1991 version, which only aired for one season. So that might be one that I want to start with. Um, and then another vampire crossover, Mel Brooks would actually 20 years later play the father of Dracula in Hotel, Hotel Transylvania 2. So that is another one that's on my list, uh, Hotel Transylvania. Um, but yes, Mel Brooks would play the father of Dracula. So that was another little crossover there. This, by the way, uh, if anyone's not familiar with Mel Brooks, uh, he is very satirical. So everything in his movies, it's really over the top. It's very, very silly. And, um, and really, it's no difference here with the Dracula story. So appearance. We all know what Dracula looks like, right? So these vampires looked human and Dracula has that classic look of the tux with the medallion and the cape um, and the the widow's peak and the hair is slicked back and when we first see Dracula there is an excellent nod to Bram Stoker's Dracula with the hair so anyone who has seen Bram Stoker's Dracula will know what I am talking about the hair is used in a very funny way like a hat so very funny moment pretty much right in right in the beginning of the movie so I knew I was in for a good ride. The fangs, they come and go. So they must be retractable in this world. We don't see them retract or come out, um, but they are there and then they're not there. So they must be retractable. Sunlight is still a thing in this world. So they really stick with the classic lore in this one. Um, he cannot be in the sun. And they use this in a really hysterical way. Uh, at one point in the movie, he has a daymare when he's sleeping in his coffin. In the daymare, he's walking outside in the sunlight and he can't believe it. He thinks that the blood he drank the night before has cured him. He's eating chicken and drinking wine and he's out in the sun and then he realizes that he's starting to smoke and burn and he tries to run but he can't move and then he wakes up in his coffin. So very funny, very funny moment. <clears throat> I guess we've never talked about Do Vampires Dream. Um, I actually addressed that in my book and we've seen it in other things but never in the Dracula lore do we talk about whether or not vampires dream. So interesting discussion. For a different day, maybe when I do an episode about my book, we will um, talk about dreams. 
As far as sleep, as I mentioned, Dracula does sleep in a coffin in this. And again, there's a really funny moment where the coffin opens and he sort of rises out and then hits his head on a chandelier. And I actually think that might be a, a moment that was used in what we do in the shadows because we get to see that as well where uh, I believe it was Deacon. Is it Deacon? I don't remember who does it, but somebody rises up out of the coffin and kind of gets stuck mid-rise and then has to scoot himself up. So I think that was kind of an homage to this movie. And um, there's never a mention about whether or not Dracula has to sleep in the earth of his homeland, which is something that comes from the book. Um, <clears throat> and if you've ever watched Bram Stoker's Dracula, you'll know that Harker actually sees people filling crates with earth to be taken to London. So that's really never mentioned. But uh, we do see Dracula sleeping in a coffin as well as Lucy's in a coffin. And um, at, towards the very end, he lays Mina down in a coffin. Blood is still a thing. We've yet to see a vampire film where they don't have to have blood. So that one seems to be pretty uh, standard across our vampire lores. Um, but we do see him drink blood. Um, he, he says he can't eat food and that only happens in his dream. And he uses the classic line, I never drink wine. So perfect, perfect homage to Bela Lugosi's Dracula and then uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula as well. Uh, this is pretty classic in the fact that he is repelled by crosses, he's repelled by garlic, so they really stuck with that old story, which I just, I enjoyed every second of. His powers, uh, in this, he has the powers of mesmerization, so he's able to mesmerize humans and get them to um, do whatever he says. And of course, that's used in hilarious ways throughout the film where people are taking, once they're mesmerized, are taking um, his orders literal. So it was a very funny couple of scenes where that happened. He can turn into a bat. He has telekinesis. He's able to unlock the windows just with his mind. He climbs the side of buildings, which we've seen in a lot of the Dracula lore. He's extremely strong and he can actually go beyond mesmerization and create human servants. So anybody who knows Dracula knows about Renfield and um, Renfield is played by Peter McNichol in a hilarious way. He kind of steals the movie because it's so funny and the laugh. If you guys have not seen this movie, the Renfield laugh is it's hilarious. It's so good. It will stick with you. And the scene where Renfield is sent in to Lucy's bedroom to get rid of all the garlic so that Dracula can sneak in and he gets distracted and looks under the bed covers at Lucy is so funny. So funny. So, and, and of course, the Dracula story, we have Renfield, the human servant. How are they made? Well, in this version, uh, when they first realize that Lucy is not feeling well and something's wrong with them, with, with her, they do bring in uh, uh, Professor Van Helsing, who comes to the conclusion that it must be a vampire. And he explains that if she's drained and dies by the hand of the vampire, she will rise as a vampire. So in this world, you just have to be drained. And then you come back as a vampire. And that, that was used, that's used in all the Dracula films, but also, um, no, I'm sorry, I'm wrong. <laughs> in Bram Stoker's Dracula, we have, we have a scene where she 
is drained by him and then she drinks his blood. So that's a little more of the modern take on vampires. But in the original Dracula, uh, as well as in subspecies, if you guys listen to that episode, they go with the classic story of once you're drained by a vampire, you come back as a vampire. Um, and, uh, this is when they know that it's a vampire, but they don't know yet who it was. How are they killed? Again, classic, classic vampire lore in this story. Uh, Dracula is killed by the sunlight. Lucy is killed when Jonathan drives a stake through her heart. And Van Helsing says the other option is to cut off her head, stuff garlic down her throat, and cut off her ears. Now, the cutting off her ears, I hadn't heard before, but um, cutting off her head and stuffing garlic down her throat, I had heard that one before. That's old, old lore. And that is um, mentioned also in subspecies by the Romanian villagers who um, say that uh, if the horse doesn't jump over the grave, that's a vampire. They have to dig that person up, drive a stake through their heart, chop off their head, and put garlic down their throat. So that's an old one. So they stick with that one in this in this movie. As far as whether the vampires are supposed to be good or bad, you know, it's funny with this one because it's such a hilarious spin on the story. It's so clear that Dracula is supposed to be the villain, obviously. Um, but it's so silly and it's so funny that even the the very beginning when Renfield goes to Dracula's castle just before he's turned into a human servant, when the brides show up, which we've seen the brides used in several movies, um, even when the brides show up, you know, they try to seduce him and, um, and feed on him and Dracula shows up and saves Renfield. Even then the brides are like, done in such a hilarious way that it's really hard to look at the vampires as bad. But if you just look at their desires, they are here to um, to feed on you, kill you, and move on. Uh, and they have no problem taking young girls out of their bed. So obviously they're supposed to be bad, but it's really hard to label this Dracula as bad because it's so funny and it's so silly. Now, in that same token, it's going to be really hard for me to come up with any tropes that I hate because all of the vampire tropes that are used in this are used in such a funny way. They're, they're completely satirical. They're completely meant to be funny. So really all I can talk about is the tropes that they use and how they use them and how much I just loved that he really played on the classic vampire um, belief. So I told you before, I love the trope where someone cuts their finger and the vampire tries to fight the impulse to taste the blood. Well, in this film, Renfield cuts his finger and the blood is shooting out of the tip of his finger. It's so over the top. There's so much blood. And while he's trying to like stop this finger from bleeding, Dracula has this very, very visual response. He's like making quick su sucking noises and licking his lips. It's so, so funny. He's clearly not trying to hide it at all. Um, they also stick with the whole thing about vampires not casting 
um, reflections, and they use this to reveal Dracula. He's at the ball. They're trying. They think it's Dracula, but they're not sure. So they have a huge mirror along one side of the wall that's covered. And when Dracula goes out to the dance floor to dance with Mina, they uncover the mirror. So there's this great scene where. You get to see Mina dancing with Dracula and then it pans over to the mirror and you just see Mina and it goes back and forth and back and forth. And as the dance gets more complicated and it, it's almost acrobatic, you get to see Mina like flying in the air with nobody underneath and everybody in the room is responding to this and reacting and Dracula just thinks that everybody loves the way he's dancing so he just keeps going. It is so funny, so funny. So that trope uh, was used in a hilarious way. Um, the way that Renfield, uh, I think anybody who's ever watched any of the Draculas knows that Renfield is um, feeding on small animals. And that is kind of how he is sustaining. And um, and he is feeding on bugs and, and others. We've seen him, you know, asking for cats and things like that. But this is done in such a funny, funny way with him snatching up insects. And there is a scene where he is uh, having lunch with uh, Dr. Seward, who in this version is actually Mina's father. Um, but Dr. Seward is running the sanitarium where Renfield has been um, housed after the ship arrives with nobody but he and Dracula on it. And... Um, they're eating outside and, and Renfield is snatching bugs from the tabletop and from next to him and from the ground. And at one point he has a grasshopper in his mouth and the grasshopper's leg is hanging out of his mouth, wriggling around. Oh my gosh, it's so funny. Such a great scene. So they take all of these silly tropes from vampire, specifically Dracula films and the story and do it in such a hilarious way that nothing is, everything is so well done. There's not a single part of it where you're kind of like, oh goodness, this is silly or this is annoying. It's done so well that you just love every second at it. Now, we're going to do some ratings. So, as you guys know, with comedies, it's a little harder to rate because it's it's meant to be silly. It's meant to be funny. But we're going to go ahead and rate uh, our vampires. As far as how evil or scary the vampires are in this particular universe, because it's a comedy, the vampires are presented in a very, very silly manner. The results make Dracula seem like someone that you could just catch and kill really easily. Now, he gets points for being the undead, for having the power to mesmerize humans. Obviously, anybody that can mesmerize you is going to be a problem. And, of course, he's able to turn into a bat and fly away. However... He is found out pretty quickly by all the humans. They they know pretty much right away that he's a vampire. And in the end, he's accidentally killed by his own human servant. He turns into a bat. He flies up into the rafters. And then Renfield opens a window. And, and he, that's it. That's how Dracula dies. So it's really hard to think of him as like evil or scary. But we're going to give him a 3 out of 10 stakes to the heart. Because he is a vampire. He is undead. He can mesmerize you. And he can... Can turn into a bat and fly away. So we're going to give him three solid points as far as how um, evil or scary he would be. As far as how sexy or alluring the vampires are in this universe, I think you guys might be surprised that I gave 
them uh, higher rankings than you were probably expecting because it is a comedy. However, the female vampires are by far much sexier in this universe, in this movie. The brides in the castle early on and Lucy later in the movie are very beautiful. They're very sexy. You know, the, the cleavage is in full view. The dresses are beautiful. The makeup is on point. The men react to them the second they're in the room. It took Renfield about 30 seconds to... Um, stop giving up a fight against the brides and dracula responds to lucy very quickly uh so we're gonna give the ladies an eight out of ten unks for sexiness and allure as vampires in this universe now dracula is played like i said in a very ridiculous manner but the women clearly react to him. As soon as he's in the room, the women are sort of uh, panting and they're clearly drawn to him. Like I said, there is several scenes with Mina and Dracula dancing. One in particular happens in Candlelight in the castle alone. And it's a beautiful scene. And while he does come across a bit of a like a buffoon, I do give him a solid five out of 10 onks for sex appeal and allure, all of the women react to him very quickly as soon as he walks into the room. So Leslie Nielsen, I'm gonna give you a solid five out of 10 for your Dracula. By far, this is one of the best vampire comedies ever made. Mel Brooks does such a wonderful job uh, with casting and writing and the jokes are so funny especially for those who love vampires or love Dracula specifically he really honors the previous movies he honors the book he uses quotes from all the previous versions you know everybody's Dracula kind of gets made fun of for those of us who love vampires and love the Dracula lore there's all these great little moments that you can catch throughout um, at one point Professor Van Helsing even asks Dracula if he is a descendant of Vlad Sepish from uh, Wallachia, who is the real-life inspiration for Dracula. So he even ties in the history, which I loved. For vampire fans, I mean, you're going to catch all these little inside jokes. There's nods to Bela Lugosi, to Bram Stoker's Dracula, to Romania specifically. There's a great early, early, like the first scene, there's a great nod to Romanian culture, specifically Transylvanian culture. And he also has so many um, homages to the Dracula lore itself and the history. Uh, it is a must watch for anyone who's a fan of the undead. And this is a great option if you're somebody who loves vampire films and you have someone in your life who doesn't necessarily like gore, doesn't like scary movies, this is a great option for you guys to sit down and watch together because it's silly and it's funny and it's over the top, but it really does honor the whole story. So I highly recommend this if you're looking for something to watch with someone who wouldn't normally watch a vampire movie. And that is it for my review of Dracula Dead and Loving It. I thank you again to anybody who made it all the way to the end of this episode. I thank you for continuing to listen. Um, this was great. This is episode number 13. Lucky 13. And we just had Friday the 13th. 
So this is very uh, poetic, I would say. I still can't believe that I have I've I started this fun little podcast just for my own joy and to have a break from uh, the stress of the real world and people have responded well to it and really enjoyed it. Um, people especially are liking the last episode, the Vampire Diaries review, and um, I do have more guests coming. We just got to get them lined up. That will be coming soon. Lots and lots of episodes coming. I have a list. I'm looking at it right now. I have 60 movies or TV shows that I would like to review. 60. And that's without people sending me recommendations. I also have books that I would like to review. I'd like to talk more about the history of vampires throughout history, the lore, how it was all started. Um, speaking of Dracula, I would like to do a special episode just on Vlad Zepish, as well as um, the Countess Bathory. I would like to go back and do um, those stories. So please continue to send me your recommendations. Tell me what you'd like to hear. In the meantime, as I say to all of my fans, I wish you wicked hugs and bloody kisses. Good evening.